Happy New Year and welcome to Pierosal Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're starting off the new year with episode 108. What? That's crazy. <laughs> well, what's crazy is, you know, we always have balloons or something. Uh-huh. And we didn't bring anything new to this episode. No, like, there's we, absolutely nothing. Nothing. No. Nothing at all. Like, we don't have any confetti. We have no, well, it would be, I, I like Martinelli's. We have yeah. no Martinelli's yeah. to bring to the house. We should have had one of those, like, little blow, like, you know, <laughs> little, they curl up and they come back. So there's absolutely nothing new on this episode. Well, I mean, we we did redo the entire studio, so that might we did. count. That is true. That is true. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, it's, it's something that works aesthetically. It is pleasing to you out That's there. Right. And if it doesn't work, well, it's okay because we like it. We like it. And you <laughs> so like it. Works. We all like it. So, And it's a new year. It's a new year, 2020. I can't believe we made it. And you know what? I feel like we've got the perfect vision for 2020. Oh, are you, See what I did there are with you the... introducing some words or something? Well, I was going to, but but okay. you know, like I think 2020 is such a cool year. Oh, I year. see. You know what? That's... Not only is it a new okay. decade, but it's 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 we got 2020. We got a vision okay. for it's 2020. It's so funny because I was going to title the episode that, but then I'm like, that's kind of cheesy. No, I like that. So I'm calling it fine tuning for the new year, but I like the 2020 perfect vision. vision 2020. There you go. That's what we're going to title the this. perfect reselling vision for the, 2020. <laughs> well, and here's the thing: I'm super pumped because you know Q4. We'll talk about it. We're going to have our whole Q4 recap episode usually at the end of January because we're still seeing sales and returnary right now is about to hit mm. really hard. But we learned so much this last year. So much. Yeah. 2019 and was a good year for us. It was a good year. It was a good year on many levels. And so excited about, you know, sharing that on this episode as we look forward to the vision of 2020. Yeah. And and what we're doing, uh, we're going to be talking about what we're planning on doing as individuals, uh, what we're planning in some ways as a podcast, what we're planning and and have learned in 2019 that we hope to take into 2020. Uh, and I think that's important to do. And we, we talked before, and I know um, people get they get very like one way or the other. And I feel like a lot of people are very against resolutions. And I understand like the whole, like if you're just going to wait for this date and you think there's something magical about it, there really isn't, but there is something special to be said about reflecting, taking time to reflect on like things you did well, things you didn't do so well, and then setting goals. And I think we've talked about that in so many of the books that we've read is the the key and the, the importance of having a goal set. And although to say like my 2020 new year's resolution, well, if you're just doing it like that, yeah, a lot of people fall off, but if you kind of have set a, you know what, like, here's the vision that I'm going to have that I'm going to try and reach this year, knowing that you might have to adapt and change that vision as you go, you're going to be better off. But if you go into 2020 and you go into any new year, you go into any new week and you kind of say, eh, I don't have any goal at all. Well, it's better, I guess, to have a failed goal than to have no goal and just kind of be wandering around. Well, yeah, because with the failed goal, at least you get somewhere. Yeah, you get somewhere and you might learn that that goal that you had wasn't the right one, right? And sometimes, I mean, people oftentimes think of things like, you know, I want to lose weight in this year. My New Year's resolution is to never eat candy again or my New Year's resolution. And oftentimes those fail, right? Or I'm going to go to the gym every day. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes people stick with those. But that's one of the reasons why I'm really big on like having a set word. And so if you remember last year for 2019, um, I kind of had a word for the year. My word for the year was discipline. I'm so right? ready to move on from that word. Yeah, uh, that's but it's a good one. It's a good word. Don't get me wrong, but I, and I, I agree. I, you know, one of the things I struggle with as being a full time reseller is, you know, when you go full time, you hear a lot of this like done with the nine to five. No one's going to tell me what to do. But reality is there's still someone you have to answer to. And if you're full time, it's it's you. Yep. 
And you have to have that discipline even more so because when I was in, I wasn't in a nine to five environment, but I was in an educational environment. You know, my life was run by the bell. Mm-hmm. Right. And not only that, it was run by grades are due at this time or this administrator wants this project done by this time. It's still. But now to me, it's even worse because if I don't set those goals and I'm not disciplined to get things you know, done, well, I'm not going to have food on the table. Yeah. So so discipline, as much as I didn't like that word, I very much appreciated that word because it was a reminder to me throughout the year that I need to put things in place to be more disciplined. And it helped. And we'll talk about some of those things. Yeah. And I think discipline is it's a great word. And, and I've mentioned it over and over. But I, I think it's important to realize this is motivation will take you so far. But if you are only relying on motivation, what happens when that motivation, you know, starts to reside a little bit when you get that waxing and waning and and people experience that with anything. It's like, I'm going to get on this diet. And if you're solely off of motivation and what happens when like, you don't feel like it, because that's what motivation is. Whereas discipline says, I don't feel like it, but I've set this goal and I'm going to do it. And you force motivation with discipline, right? You're going to say like, my motivation is this end goal that I'm reaching. Even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't have the energy or the excitement for it anymore, I don't have that passion anymore, but I'm going to reach there. Uh, and so I, I'd say 2019, I did pretty good. There was a lot of areas in my life where I, I would say I improved a lot. The discipline really, really was like solid. Um, I, I read way more books than I had, you know, previously. Um, I increased my, my, my reselling went up. Um, I was disciplined at work and was able to get like a lot more done, was able to move jobs, take on new curriculum, all of these things discipline played a huge part of. In fact, my waking up early has continued. Um, I, I still get up. My alarm clock goes off now at 3.30 because I live further away. So um, painful. It, it's it's tough, but you know, there's only been a handful of days during this entire year where I didn't get up when I was supposed to get up. And, and I got the things done now where I would say discipline lacked in 2019, at least the last half. The first half of 2019, like fitness and nutrition, my discipline was spot on. And then what happened is my focus shifted. So because my main goal, my priority goal wasn't physical, my priority goals were things like, um, you know, emotional, mental, um, economic, right? Those things kind of took my discipline and you really only have so much time you can focus on certain things. So, um, I don't know if the camera shows it or not, not but not if you 10 X it, you know, well, you can do it in all areas, all areas. So those of you that have been listening to our podcast, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, yeah, you know. Um, so, but I would say the area and I don't know if the camera shows it well, but like I've, I've, I've put on some weight, like I have not done well. I, I have no idea what Mike is talking about. None of my, Zip, zero, zilch. none of my clothes fit right anymore. Everything's tight. I struggle to like get into stuff. Yeah. yeah. Poor Mike. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, you, if you're just comparing yourself with other people, you can, you have one set of goals, but if you're comparing yourself with yourself, you know? And so it's like, if I compare myself to who I was yesterday or who I was last year, I would say I've slipped in that area. So I'm not setting like a a 2020 goal of like, I'm going to be fit, but I do want to continue this idea of discipline to an extent. And I want to um, at least make physical part of it more important because as you start to like lose physical health, um, other areas do suffer. Mental health suffers, your emotional health suffers, other things suffer. So um, that, that would be where I'd say like my biggest letdown in 2019 was. Do you have like a biggest letdown for 2019? Biggest letdown? I didn't do enough. Mm. That's just, that. but that's always the case with me. I never feel like I've done enough. I never end the year going, I made as much money as I wanted to make. I, you know, 
took advantage of many opportunities to spend as a family. I, you know, but I, I don't care. Mm. I know it sounds, but I used to think about the letdowns. I just don't anymore because you know what? Bottom line is I'm always going to let myself down. So why am I going to focus on the negative? So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't, I, I, I'm a little different. I'm a lot different than you when it comes to that. I'm not, not very big. I don't even like comparing myself to even a year ago. I just like looking forward because I find that I personally struggle with looking back. And so if I try to look back, I can get just stuck mm -hmm. and I hate being stuck. And so I'm more of like, Hey, this is what I'm doing next year. I can't do anything about the past. I can do absolutely nothing about the past, but I can definitely fix this 2020 and whatever I felt needed to be fixed. And I'll talk about some of those things. We are going to talk about some letdowns, but do I have any major letdowns? Yeah. The, the, only, the only one is I, I didn't do enough. Hey, I mean, that's good. That, that kind of leads into my word for 2020. So 2019 was discipline. And my big thing with words like that um, is I never want them to go. Like it's like building a habit. You don't want to build a strong habit and then let it go. But if you can continue to like compound on it, make it bigger, make it part of your life then it's not worth going forward, right? Like it, it takes more effort to start something new than it does to continue what you're already doing in both good and bad ways. So I want to keep discipline going. I want to keep that as a, as a word that's at the forefront of my mind. A few years ago, my word was contentment. I feel like that was a good word. Um, 2020 though, my vision for 2020, my word, better. Yeah, I like that. Better. It's I like better. that so much better than discipline. But, but it's- But you need discipline to be better. You need discipline. And so my, my idea is every day- Every situation, whatever situation I'm in, I'm going to kind of ask myself, like, what can I do better? Am I, am I doing better than I did before? Right. I always want to do a little bit better. And so um, that's kind of that's kind of my word. I just want to be focused on that. And I, I think I mentioned maybe even on the last uh, New Year's episode was um, I have this. I always kind of try and say, like, what is my ideal self? Like, if I could say, like, who do I want Mike to be? Like, if I could be the Mike that I want to be five years from now, if I, if I look into the future and like, that's the man I want to be, um, am I doing the things today that that Mike would be doing? Right. And so that's going to go along with that idea of better is just doing better and becoming that person that I want to be. And so what are the things that that person will do in this situation? Looking at the cookies on the, you know, on the the counter there at work, but they're just free. They're just there. You can just take some cookies. It's like this fitness thing has got into you, hasn't it? Well, I mean, I think it, it just, it, you know, goes for everything. It's like, when I look at those, it's like, would the mic that I want to be eat those cookies or would he not for another reason, right? Or how would he spend his afternoon? How would he spend his time, you know, with his family? How would he spend his time when he's sourcing? And I want to do those things because I'm not going to become that person unless I do the things that that person would do. Huh. It's a good perspective. So it's good. So better. Better. Yeah. I want a better year. I just, you know, I know how, and I'll talk about how I want it to be a better year, but you know, we'll talk about goals in a little bit. But to me, ultimately, better is, you know, I always look at it this way. You know, we can get caught up in the details. I'm more, yeah, I like the, I like to think macro, but not too much macro, mm. right? Because then I lose focus on what I'm doing at the moment. So for me, I'm more of like, hey, where do I want to be at the end of this month? Because I, I have an issue of being overwhelmed. Like in the sense, if I think too much, I instantly go into, you know, we in every book and, and we'll, we'll start talking about reselling real quick. So this is a new year. So we want to talk about new things, but, uh, you know, every book we talk to, you know, the, the question always is when you want to take risks, do you think about the worst case scenario and do you dwell there? And that's me. Like I'm always worst case scenario kind of guy. And so this is why my perspective is a little bit different because 
I need to be more about, okay, what was, what worked really well and how can I make that better instead of, Hey, what do I, and, and it's kind of the same thing, but what failed and do I need to make it better? I'd rather improve on what I'm already doing well in than try to improve something that I'm doing poorly. And if I'm doing poorly in something, either A, I need to do it completely different or B, I just need to get rid of it and move on. Yeah. That's I think the way I see it. That could be, I mean, that's definitely a good perspective. I like that. <laughs> I hope so. I, and we're not trying to, I'm not trying to be a motivational speaker to anybody. I think I've just lived enough life that eventually I just, I go day by day. I like it. That's how I do it. We'll be selling our Pierre Russell podcast motivation book shortly. <laughs> um, ranked 11, no, ranked 21 million in books. That's right. In Amazon. All right. Hey, so part of this was we kind of wanted to break it into three parts. This is it's kind of like a theme episode. Yeah. I wanted to make it an update episode, but it's kind of hard to make an update episode because, you know, so much has happened. Right. And usually anything that has happened, happened before Christmas. So it's exactly. Kinda, yeah. kinda, so our, our next update episode, um, we'll kind of recap the last part of what we did in, in Q4 there in, in, in Christmas time and the first part of the New Year's. And, and yeah, I think that's a good idea. All right. So I wanted to talk about change. So what are some changes that we want to continue on that we took in 2019 and move them on into 2020? Then I wanted to talk about some learning opportunities from 2019 that we can move forward in in 2020 to be better. Right. And then better. finish with, uh, you know, what are some of our goals? Now, when we talk about our goals, I want to be clear that these are goals that, you know, we talked about, I think it was in Grant Cardone's 10X, right? You, And you and I might disagree on this one, but I'm always, I don't know if we disagree, but, you know, we were like, hey, we could 5X those goals, right? Because mm -hmm. 10X would mean, you know, right now, if I say, I'm not, I don't care to make a million dollars, but if I said, I want to make a million, well, that would mean I have to make 10 million, right? Right. Yeah, but I'm not there yet. I, and, and no, nor do do I know if I want to put in the work to make 10 million. Yeah, I think the 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 idea behind that though was work as if you're trying to make 10 million so that you actually make the million. You know, like yeah, yeah, you have yeah, a 10x see, yeah. 10x goal so that when you fall short of it, you actually reach the goal you were originally looking for. Yeah. Whereas if you're shooting for a million, you might end up with 500,000. Whereas if you're shooting for 10 million, well, chances of you falling short gets you closer to that million. True, true, true. And what I'm finding as a full-time reseller now in year two is the money, the money's a thing, but it's more about the time. Mm. Like the time is way more valuable. And, you know, to me, what, I, what I've learned in this whole reselling thing is that you can make as much money as you put in, I mean, kind of. It, it all depends. I really do believe, I don't know, maybe this will, you know, not go so well with a lot of people, but I really do believe there are certain people that can make millions. And I do believe there are certain people that can't. Like we don't have that entrepreneurial spirit. Like I, I always question whether I'm an entrepreneur. Like I'm not looking to make, you know, the tens of millions and, and so on. But what I am looking to is have more time freedom, to have more freedom to enjoy life with others and to enjoy and more importantly, life with my family. And so that's kind of kind of what I'm pushing for mm -hmm. when I look at this. So this is why I'm not so big with numbers. When people ask me all the time, like how much, you know, did you make in Q4? How much to me, it's like, no, it's not how much I made. It's how much did I make to just be able to pay the bills and a little more to enjoy more, more of my life. Yeah. And that goes back to, that's the goal you have set, right? Like I have no doubt that either one of us, if we really wanted to, could commit the rest of our life and, and every moment of our life to building an empire uh, on Amazon or eBay and warehouses and all of that stuff. But that would be everything that we were focused on. Right. And so that's just not our goal. And I think that's okay. Like our, 
we can have the things that we want to have. Uh, and I feel kind of sheepish saying that, but it's real. Well, but I think that's, I think that's probably most of our listeners too. I mean, we probably do have some listeners who are like, they, they want to go a hundred percent and they want to, they want to have the, the, the mansions and the millions and they want to have an empire and they want to have like their own store name. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like you can, that, and I think those of you who want to achieve that, they know the amount of work they're putting into that. And they know what it's going to take to get there if they actually going to get there. Um, but I do think probably most of our listeners do want to make more than they can make the typical nine to five with more mm-hmm. time and have the freedom. And that's what they're looking for, right? And and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I do, but you know, you get you get on social and you get on everything and you start going like, am I doing something wrong? Mm. Right? And you know, I always talk about this, the other ROI, right? It's not just all about the money. It's about that quality time. It's about, you know, leaving a legacy and so on. And that legacy doesn't always have to mean that there's millions. And, and you know, you, we see this in society now. The big discussion amongst a lot of people is, is the fact that there's so much flowing actually hindering, you know, individuals instead of individuals figuring out how to make it on their own. Yeah. You know, so anyways, all right, we got super philosophical there for a moment. All right. So what are, what are some of the changes that happened in 2019 that we want to uh, bring forward into 2020? I think for us, it's the connections. Mm, That's a good one. Right. Via the podcast or even reselling. So, you know, you heard our compilations, hopefully, you know, Craigslist Hunter and Latin Pickers and Hustle at Home Mom and, you know, a lot of people. Right. And we got to meet a lot of people at eBay Open. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, you know, we've made friends in the reselling community that are locally based in San Diego. And to me, that's one of those things that, you know, I always run into resellers that follow us on social. But they're not very social. Mm. You know, they're on social because, you know, and, and that's fine. You don't have to be like if your business is flowing and things are going like I'm to me, it's like, why? Why put yourself out there? But what I've recognized is that all these things this last year just made me better. Mm. Right. I, and, you know, all the way from on, on eBay, you know, talking to several people that, yeah, they're long tail, but they're basically and we'll talk about this a little bit. You know, hey, when when the sales there to be made, make that sale. Mm. Right. Don't don't hesitate on it. Right. Or, you know, I'll talk about this in a little bit. Craigslist Center and his 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 just his short, like two minute segment about on our interview about learning new niches. Mm. Right. That had made a huge impact on my business or or even now on Instagram, whenever there's something, you know, we're not familiar with or we don't understand and reaching out to others and on the DMs and saying, hey, I had a question about this. You dealt with this. How do you work with this? And to me, it's been big. And even locally, I, you know, I, I think about Hugo and Tiffany and Francisco Shipquick. I think about uh, Christian Adam from Latin Pickers. I, I think about others that I've, you know, now I, I consider them friends like those connections have been super valuable in helping me stay accountable and helping me, you know, figure out new ways to make business. And the other component has been making connections as far as not wholesale, but I've made a lot of local deal connections where I have, I don't, I don't really have a need to go to a thrift store anymore. Yeah. That's really nice. Um, I, I, I don't have those kinds of connections and I, I do still like going to thrift stores, but one thing, that kind of changed in 2019 along with that idea of connections is if you remember a few episodes ago, um, I talked about the first time that I actually like added garage. So I was willing to say like, look, yeah, I'm a reseller, right? I've done that multiple times since then now. And so I would say 
have those connections paid off in the sense of like, hey, I've gotten a call back from somebody to go pick up something? Not yet. But I do think that it's opened up a lot of doors right then and there. And going forward in 2020, I'm going to make it a goal to make those connections, have the business card, pass it out and not be afraid to say like, look, I'm a reseller. I need to be able to make a certain amount on this. So we, we need to negotiate here or it's not going to happen. Um, and then I never know if I'm going to get one of those Harley ladies or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like I make that long-term connection with somebody who's going to be able to sell me things multiple times. Or even like I've mentioned um, in the past, like connections, like moving to a new job and having to kind of do that awkward thing, going to bosses and saying like, hey, I know you guys get a lot of boxes. Would you mind saving those for me and saving like uh, shipping supplies for me, like the bubble wrap and stuff like that? I'd love to take that. Um, and it, it's amazing how many businesses are just willing to do that. They're just willing to give you that stuff. And so even going to businesses, I want to make that something to do in 2020s and make those connections with businesses and hand them a card and say, look, I want to pick up your 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 bubble wrap stuff. Like if you just give it to me and worst case scenario, if there's a company that's like, we get a ton, but it's not worth us to do it. Like pay somebody on the side. I remember my dad, he used to work for a newspaper company and they'd get the, they'd call them stubs. And it was like, probably those are beautiful. We're talking probably like 10 times the amount that you get in like a, a, a packet of paper that you get like at packing Walmart paper. or packing paper, like 10 times the amount of that. And he would just give those to people for like 10 bucks, right? There were guys that would come to the, the to his newspaper and they would give him 10 bucks and he would just collect that money and he'd use it for buying things that he wanted to buy. And so like, it tells me there's going to be people, whether it's an employee or somebody saying like, Hey, if you fill up a couple trash bags full of bubble, like bubble wrap stuff, like I'll pay you five bucks for it. Like you never know. There might be a high school kid who's like, sweet. Like I throw this stuff out all the time. I'll just throw it in a couple bags and you can come by. I'll call you when it's full. Like my trunk's full of it and you can pick it up. Like those are the kinds of connections that, uh, I've, I've started to make and I want to continue to make into 2020. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, obviously for us, having the podcast has helped a lot. Mm. Even within our own community, we have people within our own community that are aware of what we do now. It's kind of funny right. because we haven't, full, we've, we haven't fully announced. Even, you know, the former school, we're at, like we never, you know, people at one time wanted to write about us in the school paper and yeah. stuff like that, right? And we kind of didn't want to go down that road. Mm. But still, so many people within our own community have reached out and made connections with us like, Hey, you know, can you show me how to sell on, on eBay? And then, you know, we've helped some people out and then they go, you know what? I have these items over here. I really don't want to deal with it. Do you mind selling these? You know, you take mm-hmm. them away. I mean, the connections, one of the things, and we've been sharing this from day one, I've been sharing this from day one and Mike now is on, on board. I think you always were on board. I think you were just kind of like, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And, and if it's not something, you know, one that you're used to. And two, you know, when I started reselling, even when I started the podcast, it's, it's, it was just like to make some extra cash, just a little bit extra cash, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't that serious, but now that my my wife is, is staying home full time and, and she's reselling and, and she's doing all the shipping and packaging and I'm sourcing more than I ever did. And, and I've got a whole like storage thing full of stuff. Like I never imagined that this would be what reselling is, but now that it is, I have to adapt those obvious business strategies that when you're just kind of uh, like hobby level, it's kind of not worth it. Like if you were, if I was just doing this hobby or someone's like, Hey, I want to make an extra hundred or 200 bucks a month. Like I wouldn't say like, you need to make business cards. You need to be making connections. You need to like, unless that was the direction they were trying to go. Right. Like you don't need to be doing like business level stuff when you're just trying to do it as a hobby. But now that it's morphed into a real business, Things have changed. See, and I don't know how to keep reselling at hobby level. That's true. Right? I mean, I, I think about when you first started, You it really was hobby. Like, you, 
you did believe it to be true because one of the first few things you sold, you sold for good money. And you're yep. like, whoa, like this is this is kind of crazy. And then you started making more sales and then you started building up your store. And you know, that's one recommendation I, I will I will tell you is start it as a business from day one. Right? Because no, no, as a business, as far as like make sure you know your numbers. True. Make sure you know you you're aware of how much you're spending, your ROI, make sure you do everything professionally, you know. Not professionally, like you have to go hire or get nice equipment, but make sure your pictures are there, your listings are there. Cause the worst thing is for you a year later to look to go back, back yeah. to go back and go like, oh, I gotta revise this listing. Oh, I can't believe I picked this up. Like, yes, it's hobby, but if you can treat it as a business from day one and you wanna just make it a bigger business, which you've done, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier transition. That's true. Yeah. And, and you're going to learn along the way. So there's, there's going to be changes. Oh, um, and, and I would, I would tell someone just starting out, like, don't stress too much, but yeah, take your time, do things right, do things as right as you can to start with. When you've got one tote, your inventory system isn't going to be that difficult, you know, um, but have some kind of inventory system set up so that when you do expand and you do grow, and it's true. I mean, um, I don't know if it's like the multiple tote syndrome, like you start with one and then it just expands, expands. And it's, it is addicting and it's addic addicting in a good way, right? Like there aren't very many things I don't think in this world that are like super beneficial for you that are easily addicting. I, I feel like most true. things that, that you fall into and you're willing to keep doing more and more typically aren't good for your mental, emotional, physical health. Like there's something that's like, there's something about human nature that likes, likes going into a downward spiral until you reach rock bottom. And it's like, Oh, that wasn't worth it. Right. But, but most things that are addicting aren't positive things, but reselling because it's one of those things where you're making money, you're seeing a result and you can expand and you just get better. It's like, it's like an upward cycle instead of a downward cycle. And there's not very many things I don't feel like that are as easy to become addicted to um, because you can work really hard at work. And there are some people who are addicted to working hard, but like, if you're not seeing like, Hey, if I put in an extra half hour, I'm going to be making extra blank amount of money. Right. So whereas you, you, you do that in reselling and a lot of times, you know, we've got friends who just start and they just have a couple of things. And they're like, oh, I sold this. I sold this. Next thing you know, you see them at thrift stores every time you go and you're like, oh, you're, you're sucked in. You've been addicted. Yeah, no. And it is. And resellers know, anonymous. And I would say that's probably true. 99% of the case. I did have a friend of mine the other day that wanted me to buy his inventory. He's like, mm -hmm. I'm done with this. But, you know, but I think what happened with him was that he didn't treat it like a business from the beginning. So he bought a lot of junk. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of junk that he's staring at and he's just frustrated and you know, he started, and I'm sure many of you are listening and have experienced the same where, you know, you bought a lot of stuff right off the bat because it was kind of like a hobby thing and didn't matter. And you still had your full-time job. And, you know, now you're like, hmm, why did I waste that money? So, True. all right. Now, the other thing, uh, new niches or niches. New niches. New niches. So this is something I never thought I would speak on. Like, I, to me, it's it's always been... Grab your phone, research mm. all the time. Like that, that's, but now I am kind of in a place this last year where I learned about certain niches or niches that I'm like, you know what? I want to keep learning, right? I want to keep understanding. So, so, so a few areas that I learned and which I want to bring into 2020 because I want to expand is, you know, in collectibles. Right. And uh, speaking more, and you guys have heard so many podcasts about this, but trains, man, like I never thought I would see the day where I really was all about trains mm. and I'm not all about trains. I, my, my go-to, and I'll talk about this too, but 
is is vintage clothing, but not at least 80s and 90s stuff. But, you know, I talked about how I picked up all those trains a year and a half ago. I did nothing for, with them for like a year. And then I listed all of them and they're all selling. I'm still making money on trains. But now I have a far better knowledge about what brands are good. What There's actually tier levels about certain trains, mm. about certain models. There's actually a grading system I didn't know about. There's actually a grading system when it comes to like the boxes and what they go with. And, you know, you know what people are looking for. So now... I have this knowledge I can bring into 2020 when I'm at a garage sale where I, you know, I actually, I was listening to an older episode and you had mentioned that a lot of people look these over mm. and I agree because you, at least in San Diego, I'll go. And now, you know, every San Diego listener is going to look at trains closely, but oh, well, you'll look at them and you know, you might look up a couple and it's not worth anything. Mm. Right. But in its whole, it might be worth a decent amount of money. Right. Or over time. And so, that was something that I really began to have an eye for that I, I look forward to in 2020, knowing more about things that I, I didn't necessarily, you know, take the time to research. Right now, I will say one of the best ways to do that is to do a bulk buy. Because if you do a bulk buy, so for instance, uh, you know, one of the train things that I bought this year, I paid $300 for a whole bunch of trains. I actually thought it was a bad buy. Towards the end, I've already made about 2 k on that bad buy. Nice. So it wasn't, so not only was it a, a excellent buy, but I learned it throughout the process. Mm. I actually had stuff that I was going to throw away that I listed and I made money on. So that's one thing. The other niche is with clothing. I really felt that I was going to move away from clothing. Hmm. I, I think I had mentioned a few, uh, halfway through the year, I I talked about like everybody starts with clothing and then they move move out of clothing. Right, right. You kind of see that on Instagram and you see that on YouTube, but there's so much money to be made in clothing. Yeah, and I kind of feel like that's almost the opposite of my plan for 2020. <laughs> is I I mean it's the same as what you're saying. I if you look if you were to look into my storage and see most of my stuff, most of my stuff is hard goods. I mean, actually, if you were to look at the total number of stuff in my store. It's probably equal amount clothing because I've had some big bulk buys uh, on clothing. But the majority of the space is taken up by hard goods. And although there's money to be made there, the shipping takes a little longer. There's more risk of stuff getting broken. There's um, the storage space is more. There's a lot that goes into hard goods, especially when you're looking at things like electronics and stuff like that. And I've talked in the past about wanting to break more into different types of clothing and learn different brands. And so... I'm hoping that in 2020, and I'm going to follow the money, right? So it might not end up being clothing. If I'm going to every thrift store and and there's money to be made in hard goods and no money to be made in clothing, well, then I'm going to keep going to hard goods. But I want to keep expanding the, the, the knowledge that I have in clothing, make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, I wouldn't say it's like a new niche, but I want to expand into a niche that I'm already in. And I want to break into more specified ones, right? Because I think that's, that's key too, is oftentimes you can get really focused on like, the big picture, the macro level, which is good. But then when you get into the micro level stuff and you're like, okay, if I know more about a specific brand and then the years that those brands sell better and then the types of fabric mm -hmm. and the types, you have to actually have more knowledge than if you're just like, I'm I'm saying yes to these brands, no to these brands. But when you're like, yes to these brands only if, but no to these brands, unless. Such an excellent point. That's exactly what I was going to is that, you know, for instance, Patagonia, I think about Patagonia, like, there's money to be made in Patagonia, no matter what Patagonia you pick up. But there's certain Patagonia 
that makes a whole lot more money, mm. right? Certain years, certain kind of fabrics, right? I, I think about, you know, bomber jackets. That, that's a bit of bolo I talked about. I really, I think I've gotten a handle on, on bomber jackets for right now. This is trending kind of, I mm. think. I mean, it's still selling well. You know, I actually, you know, I think about Starter and I think about brands like that Pro Player and Apex One and Logo 7, all these vintage kind of 90s, uh, sp- you know, sporting a, a sports apparel. Back in the day, I would just pick up whatever. If anything said Starter on it or if it said this, I would just pick it up. And now I'm learning that, yeah, I could pick it up and I, I'm pretty sure I'll pick up pretty mo- most of it, but there are certain things that I can make a lot more money on. And I'm able to identify them a lot faster. There's, And I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything. This is just something I'm excited about bringing to 2020 that I figured out in 2019 is that I can now look at stuff and not have to research it. And I will list it at the price I want and I will get the price I want. I like it. Right? And so that's why I want to encourage you guys moving into 2020 is to learn those new niches whatever it may be, because eventually you can get to that place too. And I know many of you do that. There's some things that you will never share on Instagram. And there's some things I won't share that right now I make a decent amount of money on because I took the time and effort to learn certain niches, whether it's for FBA, whether it's for eBay, and it's definitely paying off. So I encourage you 2020, make that part of your vision. I love it. 2020, perfect vision. (laughs) Perfect vision. I'm going to, I'm going to wear that out. My favorite thing at the end of, you know, like when you were a student and, and, and as a teacher, you hear it every year, but like the end of right before, you know, winter break or Christmas break or whatever, kids don't come back until the new year. And so it's always like, see you next year. And there's always the few kids who are like, wait, what? You know, and it's it's that fun thing. This year was different because you could say like, see you next decade, you know. Isn't That's that true. Kind of fun? And then there are the naysayers that go, well, the decade doesn't start until 2021. Really? Yeah. There's a lot of that out there. Oh, well, you know, there's always. There's we're in always the 20s. People. We're in the 20s. Hey, I, I always 20s. I always laugh about this because I remember in 1999 with Y2K, I was working, I know I'm old, I was working loss prevention at Macy's and we boarded up all the windows to the department store because we thought there were going to be riots and we had backup, uh, you know, electrical, gener- we had backup generators in case the electricity went out and we were preparing for us and we got paid, I want to say it was like triple time to stay in the store nothing happened. So I laugh now that we're in 2020, 20 years later. And those of you that went through Y2K, it's it's just funny that we're in 2020 and and no one's ever had a discussion like that again. Again, it hasn't been in a new millennium, but I just think it's funny. 2020, the roaring reselling 20s. This is going to be the year for resellers, man. I believe it. Oh, I think it's just going to keep, keep going. So, all right. And so this is one that, you know, I'm happy about, but it didn't happen until the second half of the year. And it's wiser spending. And let me elaborate here. So I'm used to, if anything was going to make a certain amount of money, I would pick it up. Right. If it was going to make me, you know, 20 bucks, I was good with it. And then I raised my average selling price that it has to make me at least 30 to $50 right, for me to look at it. But then I didn't feel that was a good Good measure. Does that sound weird? Are you okay with that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what I, what I'm saying is this, and this is this kind of relates to learning opportunities later on I want to talk about is that it's not necessarily how much I can make an item. That's important. That's very big. And I think I think Cindy from the Amazing Taste talked about mm. this in our interview. It wasn't 
I've begun to learn that it's not necessarily about me buying stuff that's going to make a huge turnaround in money. So for example, all the time I would pick up stuff and I look up eBay comps and I go, huh, if I buy this for 20 bucks and I can make $80 net, well, this is definitely a pickup. Well, if you do that all the time consistently, you may have thousands of items that aren't selling. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to the one of our original episodes of the the fast nickel slow dime, mm-hmm. right? And I think I think trying to find that balance there is you can long tail. And we do long tail a lot of things. I and love I, long tail. I'm not getting a, away from it. And I think that's a good idea to some extent, but it's true. There's been definitely times where I've even even to me a fifty dollar profit on an item is still great, right? But I make the mistake of looking at just that profit per item. And I might spend a hundred dollars on an item, knowing that I'm going to net fifty dollars off of it. Whereas, and, and I, it, I don't know. I have enough capital that I can do that. But at the same time, you tie up a lot of capital. So it's like, okay, is it better maybe to pass on this, even though it's one listing, one sell, fifty dollar profit, versus I might have to pick up three or four things, but I'm paying twenty five dollars each item. They're going to sell a lot quicker, and then that's just it's rolling a little bit faster. And so. I think there's a balance sometimes to it's find a hard one. Though. Yeah. Trying to find between that fast nickel, slow dime of if I can move this quickly, even if I'm only making $5 per item, if I've got the time and the energy to be listing and selling those, you know, and, and I can count it in. But if I can walk into a thrift store, buy 20 items that I can sell for sell this week, and I'm going to make five to $10 off of each of them versus the one item that might take me a year and a half to sell. Well, you know, you kind of got to weigh that out. And so, yeah, I do think spending wise and, and I kind of think back to even that uh, Nintendo, that, that original Nintendo entertainment system that I bought, right? It's, it took a lot of time, a lot of energy, energy. And I think it was still a good buy in the sense that I learned a lot from it. And I think I'll make a little bit of profit, but that same amount of money that I put on that one item, I could have bought a whole bunch of clothing items, learned a little bit more about those, those brands, those things. And I probably could have already sold a handful of those clothing items and been back in the store with more money, right? So, yeah, you have to weigh that out. Well, and give you an example. So there's a, lo- a local connection that I would drop several hundred dollars at a time. And I, I remember the first couple of times I went, like I just picked up, I just, I would look through stuff and I'm like, huh, this actually sold at one point for this much money. Now it's more of like, no, I want to make back whatever I drop right now within a month. Mm. Right. So I'll purposely, there's some things I'll wait to pick up next time or, you know, it may not be there next time, but cause it'll go to another, you know, whoever makes that connection. But what I'm learning is I want to make that money back in a month. So if I can make that money back in a month, I can get some other items that are more long tail. And so that will benefit me. So I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of that, but that takes work. Mm. It's not just researching on eBay. Terapeak helps. Also, you know, if there's other apps we've talked about, other software, but the other thing is paying attention to trends, right? So, you know, I've talked about Sherpa jackets before, like that is trending still. Like if you, all you have to do is just go on social or go on TikTok or go wherever, which is social too. But if you can find items that people want right now and you could turn over that money, that is something I'm looking forward to in 2020, doing more of that because I used to have the old model of, and I don't think it's bad. I still pick up, and I'll talk about my hustle of the week. My hustle of the week was a long tail item. There's still money to be made in long tail items. But my goal this next year is to, whenever I source something, be able to flip to get that money back within a month. 
And then I can have those little long tail items. And that's kind of going to be my model going into the next year. Yeah, I think going even back to that the interview we had with Amazing Taste Stores, I think that's something I want to do. I've talked about wanting to put at least some of my items on auction just to clear out inventory, kind of dead inventory that I have that may have been either bad buys or I might have listed a little too high. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt. I mean, if you're if you're counting on reselling to pay every single bill and you don't have any money saved, then you know sometimes you're doing whatever you have to do that month. But if you've got the uh, the freedom, if you've built up the freedom in your reselling business to say, you know what, I'm going to try something for a month and I'm going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to pick up items that I can move, even if that means that I'm pricing them lower than I could get. Like I might be able to make an extra ten dollars on this item if I wait six months, or I can sell it for five dollars less or ten dollars less or fifteen dollars less. But I can move it this week or this month, and then I'm getting new stuff in. I'm not storing as much stuff. Um, and you know, it might be worth trying that out for a month and see if that kind of method works for you. All right. So let's land there for a little bit. Right. Sell through rate. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. How fast do things sell? Right. And you know, it's funny. I want to go back to your story. And and those of you who have listened to the podcast, you remember this. Mike, how did you handle best offers right away? Like when you first started reselling? Yeah. So like if I had an, an item up for $49.99 and somebody gave me an offer for $35. It was like $48.99. Yeah, not even that. If somebody offered you like $43, you would do that. Yeah, so a lot of times I would because it's like I was setting my prices of like this is the amount I, I'm, I Which want. Which isn't bad. It's a learning curve. Right. Right. And some people can do that. It all depends on your item. Right. Right. But if you're picking up, you know, let's throw Merrill shoes. Well, everybody, not everyone, but there's a lot of people selling Merrill shoes, right? So Merrell. Is that is it Morel? I think it's Morel. I always call it Merrill. I'm gonna call it Merrill. Caramel or Merrill. caramel? Merrill. Okay. Merrill. Get your Merrill shoes. Get your Merrill shoes. <laughs> so, you know, but eventually that shifted for you, and it shifted for me a lot. And I would say the second half of the year, I started talking about this on the podcast, where eBay's algorithm likes to see sales. Right. And so for me, I used to be super offended. And I'm not saying I'm going to accept every little offer because I sometimes wonder if people on Instagram or listeners will just find my store and send me low offers and seeing if I'll, you know, I'll bite. And I might. But, um, you know, I used to be like, oh, it needs to be above 70 percent. You know, I'm not going to take any anything less than 70 percent. Well, actually, it was 80 percent. That was my goal. It was 80 percent. Well, eventually I learned that. If I have three offers that were like a 70% and I countered all three of them and he never got back to me, my sales were dead. Mm. Right. But if I was willing to take, you know, that one item, which I may have paid $5 for, I'm still going to flip for 60 bucks. I'm not going to get that 80 or 90 that I want. That's okay. Yeah. I, uh, I actually went to Nepal um, years ago. I think it was like 2013. So it was a long time ago. Um, and they do it for like different um, reasons there. It's, it's, it's kind of like a superstition. Uh, but one of the things that people are told, or if you're smart before you go and you're, you know, tourists looking up like where to shop and how to negotiate, cause they're hardcore barters there. Like they, they okay. negotiate hardcore. Like Chris Voss is all over the place. Yeah. It's they're they're no joke. Split the difference. But you have an extreme amount of power if you're the first person to buy something in their store that day. So you huh. go early because to them, they have this like superstition or this belief and, and I don't know if it's just kind of tradition or superstition or what it is, but if they make a sale, the first sale of the day is like their lucky sale. And if they make a sale, the first, like if they make a sale in the beginning, then they'll have sales all day long. 
if they don't make a sale for a certain amount of time, if they turn too many people away. Sounds like the algorithm. Right, right. If they turn too many, exactly. That's what kind of reminded me of it. If they turn too many people away, they kind of feel like they're putting bad luck on themselves and then they're not going to get good sales later on. So you have a lot of bartering power when you first get there. If you're there, if you're one of the first person and you can even say that, hey, first sale of the day, lucky sale. And they'll, uh, okay. And then they'll give you a really good deal. And again, I'm not... I'm not promoting or suggesting that anybody should be trying to rip people off. That's absolutely not what I'm doing. But at the same time, they know if you're coming from America or from a, a culture that, that, that is coming with a lot of money to spend, right, that they can pull more out of you than they would maybe sell the item for originally, right? And they're going to get it most of the time. They're pretty good at negotiating. But if it's that first sale, you're going to get a decent price. And it kind of does sound a lot like the algorithm. Like if you if you're willing to accept the sale... You're, you're saying like, hey, I'm the type of store that's willing to move and whether or not that that's being um, rewarded on eBay is maybe, you know, just anecdotal, but it seems to well, be. Well, anecdotally, I will say for me, it helped a lot. Mm. It definitely kicked things into high gear and it also made me spend differently. So this goes back to the other point. And so this, you know, this is all connected. So now I'll be even more careful when I buy stuff because I want to make sure I have enough margin to work with. Right. Right. And I it even applied to my Amazon FBA this last Q4. And I'll share this a little bit is that two Q4s ago, I was willing to buy a lot of stuff and make 30% profit, which a lot of the big time FBA resellers do. Like they, that's how their business model runs. I know for me, I'm not, I'm not at that volume or that huge kind of scale. So mm. for me, 30% is not a lot to work with. Right. Right. And especially if you're dealing with, when you're talking about net profit, that's less than $10, then you got to think, is your time worth it? Right. Right. To do that. And so it actually had me on eBay and on Amazon sourced differently. So now I'm very big on like, Hey, am I willing to let this go for 60% or 70%? Right. If somebody offers it on Amazon, am I willing to let this drop all the way to the point where, I'm only making, you know, 60% or 50%, right? Uh, that's how I need to, well, before I, I'd be okay with 30%, but I got burned too much. Right. Right. And so, hey, these are things, these are learning opportunities I want to take into 2020 about buying things that, hey, I'm willing to accept. It's not a loss, right? You never want to sell at a loss. If you're selling at a loss, you shouldn't be reselling, but you're still selling you know, at a place where you're making a great profit and you're able to sell through your items so you can keep, you know, cash flowing. Yep. That's good. So, like all right. And then, uh, so yeah, we'll talk about not following the crowd after. How about listing sooner? How, how did you, did you actually get to a place where you're listing sooner? Yeah. And, and honestly, um, the, our, our, living changes has helped a lot. The fact that now, um, Think of how much you've changed. Can we, can we land here for a moment? Yeah, I mean, where were you at in January first, twenty nineteen? Yeah, so I mean, still in in a condo in the city with a tiny little one car garage that we didn't park in because we had you know inventory in, and you know now and my wife and I were both working full time career jobs. She was actually the breadwinner. She was making quite a bit more money than I was making. Um, you know, both college educated, and you know, thinking that careers were the way we were going, and. Now I'm, you know, I've changed jobs. So I'm at a new school, new district with, you know, better benefits, which has helped my wife to be able to stay home. She's now full-time at home. She's not, she doesn't work. She doesn't drive to somewhere and clock in anymore. Or, you know, she was salaried, so she wasn't clocking in, but you get the point. And now we're living in a fifth wheel. 
in a in a, a location where we don't have internet. I mean, we have our phones, so we technically we have internet. But you know, like everything has changed. We basically became minimalists overnight without intending to. But now we've downsized. We have you know our our studio here where we store a bunch of our stuff. We have an office here where we do a lot of our shipping. My wife, every single day she comes, she takes pictures, she lists, she ships. Um, she's doing all of that stuff, going through inventory. So she's still working, but now she's at home more with my son. And it, it, I mean, 2019, like if you'd have told me the beginning of 2019, we'd be where we're at now. Like so wild. It, it's, it, it truly is insane. It's crazy how much things have changed, but like I count there's a lot of things that had to fall, like a lot of dominoes, but I honestly think reselling was the first big domino that fell and is still the foundation of what's allowed this major life change. And, you know, nothing against, um, you know, everybody has a different model that works for them and how they have to do their life. And, and so there's not like one way is better for than others in different situations. But for us, my wife being home with my son, my son has uh, a, a, a genetic condition, which makes it difficult for him to be at daycare. So he couldn't go to daycare. So we were driving several hours every day to drop him off at grandma. And so we didn't get to spend as much time with him. And now like we're with him all the time. And it's just been so amazing for our family. And I accredit so much of that. I, I say is reselling, right? Like reselling, open those doors. And, you know, we never, I, I kind of joke about it because it's, we live in a trailer, right? Like it's a nice trailer, but we it live in a trailer nice. now. And so I always say like, man, if I would have told my wife when we first started dating, <laughs> if you marry me, we will live in a trailer and you're going to sell junk on the internet, on eBay. Um, will you marry me? Right? Like this is the life I promise you. It would have been like, that sounds crazy. And it, if you just say it, it sounds crazy, but like, this is our dream life. And it's so amazing. And it just goes to show like you can have certain ideas of how your life is going to turn out. And it just goes so different than that. And, you know, I, I love the fact that I live in a trailer and I sell stuff on eBay, right? Like it's hundred percent amazing. I was, I was planning on being ahead of school by now. You know, I, yeah. I, I was, I wanted to be the big shot and wear the suit and run meetings and work with the board and all that. And, you know, now I, I resell for a living yep. and, and I'm good with it. And you, you will get to a place where like the, the ROI of happiness or fulfillment gets you to a place where you're like, I, I don't care if people think this about me. Right. Mm. Because I still, even to this day go, so when are you going to get back? Like, you know, with the real job or right. when are you going to get back into the field? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Like, you know, dude, is there a part of me that still yearns for that a little bit? Sure. So the part of me that I have to question is that ego or is that me wanting to make a difference? Mm. Right. So things you need, I, I need to think about, but it's just awesome to see that change. Yeah. It's crazy. Right? <laughs> so it is. Okay. So with that being said, let's talk about listing sooner because obviously that changed things yeah. for you guys because you have no place to really store things. Yeah. And, and I mean, we have in a lot of we ways do. more storage than we had yeah. in the past. But now we have time. Like it used to be I'd come home. We both come home from a long day of work, cook dinner. We only got to really see my son for like an hour before he had to go to bed. And then instead of like, you know, getting to just relax and spend time together, it's like, all right, let's go hustle out in the garage, take pictures, go. And as much as we love that, and it was family time. Like we'd be out in the garage packing boxes and stuff. There were many times if, if we got, say we got three things we got to ship out today, we'd go pack it. And then it was like, all right, we've got this pile of stuff to take pictures of and to list. Let's do it tomorrow. Right. It's so much easier to push it back. But now um, that she's doing it more full time, it's stuff isn't sitting like I will go to thrift stores and garage sales and I will fill my car up and I'll bring, you know, 80 items home 
And within a couple of days, she's like, all right, I got everything listed. Right. And it has helped immensely. Part of it, I think, is just it's a numbers game, right? Like the more items you're getting up, algorithm aside, is the more things potentially that people are buying from you. Right. So those go up. And any role the algorithm plays in that, right? You know, an active store constantly adding things, um, it helps. And so we've definitely seen an increase in our sales. And honestly, we're reselling harder than we were before, but because of the life changes, it's a, it's like less work, right? Like mm-hmm. I can go source and I source. That's that's my focus. And and we make a good team because we're able to do that. But if it was up to me, I would source all these items and it would take months for them to get listed. But she's on it. She's type A. She's like, got this pile. Let's get it listed. Let's get it sorted. Let's get it in, into into the right tote so I know where they're at. And and so honestly, like I can't take credit for a lot of that, you know, but but yeah, it has made a huge difference getting stuff listed and not letting death piles just sit. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Yeah. And, you know, again, I I still am of the belief that having a death pile or two is not a bad thing. Right. I know that it goes contrary to what many say, but, you know, when whenever there's an opportunity you can't source, it's always nice to be able to dip into those reserves source. But I will tell you, you know, I've shared this on the podcast. How many times did I have things that I had in my mm-hmm. storage unit for so long? And the moment I listed, it sells. Yep. Right. I have this other, I have these other items. I, I purchased, I want to say about 15 pairs of brand new boots last year. And I just, one of them, I didn't list them because I didn't like the prices. I thought the market was too flooded. So mm-hmm. I held on to them. The other part is I just didn't want to deal with it. Right. Man, the moment I listed them, I'm making money on it yep. and the cash is flowing. And so that's that's one of the things I want to be really great about because I, I think about another scenario. I had I had purchased all these things at a garage, all these uh, Department 56 items, and I had listed them within a day. And I would say by day five, after I had sourced these items, I already had sold through 80% of them. Mm. Right. And so to me, looking into 2020, I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity of listing things faster because in the end, you know, yeah, it, it's nice to have all this, but having that cash flow and having those consistent sales is so much better. Yep. So much better. I know it's common sense, but hey, know. it's good. I mean, the other thing, and you don't do this as much as I do, but it's following the crowd. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I, I do have some active on social media for the podcast, not nearly as much as Orlando. It's because um, you're off the grid. Part of it is because I'm off the grid. It insulates you. But I'm, I'm not. I know that some people kind of get addicted to to social media and so they're on it all the time. That's just not something I, I kind of stepped away from social media and and I use it now for business and I use it for like, you know, sometimes to get certain news and certain things like that, certain people that I follow brands or things like that. But um, so for me, I don't have that kind of temptation of like, I want to do what other people are doing, but I could certainly see how that could, how that could be. It's like anything, a tool like social media or a tool like technology of any kind is a, a, a blessing and a curse, right? Mm-hmm. So you get you get the boon, but you get the curse and you get all of the, the things that are good with it, but you got to be careful because it's dragging along a lot of baggage too, like keeping up with the Joneses and, hey, you should be sourcing this stuff. So as many times as you win of, hey, I learned this new niche by seeing somebody else, you could easily lose by saying, I should be selling this and I should be doing that. And it can be a distraction for the focus that you should have. Agreed. And so what I'll say is that I didn't do that this year. Nice. 98% of the time. <laughs> I mean, there's two instances that I'll share this when we talk about Q4 later on, but 
I really stayed in my lane, mm. especially towards the end. So I'll give you a couple examples. One of them is I do think there's a stigma and I, I just, we just shared this like 30 minutes ago in the reselling community is that, Hey, everyone starts with clothes and then eventually you grow out of clothing. And I'm like, no, like I stayed in that lane and I made way more money on clothing than anything else I sourced. Mm. Now, Again, it's what I chose to source. Had I chosen to source auto parts or, you know, vintage stereo equipment or other niches, maybe I would have made better, right? right? But for me, I really knew that and I, I and I stopped listening to, you know, and again, there's a lot of money to me. There's a there's a point in time I was chasing Supreme items. Mm. And that for me just was not, I just I'm not good at it. Yep. Right. I mean, you need to have the bots, the slots, you need to be able to figure all that out. And I eventually stopped. I put it, I didn't even, this year I didn't even try those things. I, I did try the Is Supreme still a thing? Yeah. People still, still oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's always a hot item. So I'll give you an example. So this year, I'll give you two examples. One example is, you know, there's, there's always, you know, these, these items that are released. I don't know how people find out, but obviously you find out, right? So there's a couple of times I remember, um, one time there was this one, I'm being generic because it might be a bolo next year and, you know, I don't want to destroy it, but <laughs> there was this one item that, oh no, okay, I'll give you another example. There were these bats that were selling for a lot of money that were being sold at a, a certain off-price stores. Like good money. Like you could pick them up for 15 to 20 and sell them for 150 to 200, right? And so I find out about them, right? I see them on social. I have, you know, had people contact me like, hey, check these out. So I dropped everything and I started going and, and trying to find, and I found zero, zero. Now I could have very much just sourced what I know to source mm. and listed those items and maybe made the same amount of money, you know? And so I did that a few times this year and I'm like, I, I'm not, that's not my, that's not my expertise. Now the flip side is I found this item in Q4 that no one was talking about in social at a certain store and that you could sell it a certain way. I mean, so generic. And I'll talk about this because I want to save stuff this. that you could, you could do these things with and then make a lot of money. Yes. But I want to talk about this when we talk about our Q in our Q4 episode, but I found this item and I scanned it and I'm like, huh, I can get creative with this. And so that night I hit up every single store in San Diego and south of LA and I made a killing this Q4 on this item. I didn't follow the crowd. I followed my instincts. I did the research. And then a month, uh, not a month, a week later, people are talking about this item. Hmm. Well, it's too late, I, at least in San Diego, unless you were able to find them. But I, I bought every single one of them to my knowledge. Obviously, I didn't pick up every single one of them, but I felt like I did. Right. Another item. I, uh, I, I, <laughs> this is so crazy. So there's a couple bolos that last year I, I lost money on. And then this year I go, huh, I wonder if anybody's thinking about these. And so a lot of people were chasing certain items on Instagram. I decided to chase this one item and this one item in itself made me over 10 K this Q4. Nice. Just this one item, which is crazy to me because you know, I'm always talking about, you know, diversifying, not going deep on an item. I went deep on this item and actually I sold my last one right before Christmas. Nice. 
So it was perfect. Right. Because it was, it was, I picked up just the right, the right just the right window for me to sell through. And I was the only one that controlled that buy box for about two months. Nice. So anyways, what I'm saying is I'm not saying this to be proudful or to brag or humble brag, whatever you want to call it. But this is what I'm taking into 2020 is, hey, to be better this year, I'm not going to follow the crowd. I'm instead going to pursue what I know to do well for me and stay in that lane. And you should do the same, right? Yeah. If you're in a group and that group is benefiting, you're doing well, go for it. But if you on your own know what's working for you and you're making money on it, do it. Nice. You want to hear, uh, this is slightly off topic, but I, I, now that we're talking kind of like the end of the year and, and maybe there's lessons to be learned about this. But it's I'm, a random story. I mean, it's kind of a random story. Okay. So like, I'm thinking craziest thing that happened in 2019. There was a lot of crazy stuff, but, and maybe I already talked about this on the podcast. So if I did, you know, you could tell me or like a listener can say, but when we moved, um, where we're at right now, we actually don't have like a mailbox. We had to like go get a, a, a place where things would be shipped to. And um, so we're going and we're picking up our mail. <laughs> My wife goes in, she gets a slip saying there's a package for, for us. So she hands them the slip. They give it the package and it's a big envelope, right? Like a like a UPS like wrapped envelope. So she opens it up and inside is just all of this like junk mail, right? And so we just moved. So we thought, oh, maybe this is the people who moved into our house. Like they're sending us our mail. And she's like pulling it out. And inside is like another envelope with like wrapped with more like junk mail. And so she opens this up and it, she said it took forever because it was like taped really hard. And she gets inside and inside of that envelope is more junk mail wrapped around something. And she could tell there's like, like thick something in there. So she finally gets it all out. A giant wad of hundred dollar bills, like, what? like several thousand dollars worth of, what? of, of money. Was there an address or anything? Then she looks at the package and it was to us or our box, but the package wasn't to us. It was to somebody else. So the, the place messed up. Now you're now there's ethics playing into this. Yeah. Crazy. Well, now here's the thing. She also says that there was like, she, when she opened up one of the things, there's like a little bit of white powder. What? I swear. What is this? And this there's, is, this is a random story, but this is a good random story. So hundred percent that there's a 99% chance that this is like some crazy drug money or something. Right. Like who, like what? we're talking like several thousand dollars in cash wrapped up, disguised in junk mail. You can't make this up. So she immediately goes back in and she tells the people. Now, of course, could just be like, too bad, so sad. I'm keeping this cash, right? No, but you've watched the movies. Exactly. What happens? Well, two things. One, our, our you know, belief systems and values wouldn't let us take somebody else's package, even if it, we open it up. That's the more important part. Right? But the other side is, absolutely, you take this. What happens when the drug lord is like, what happened to that cash? And they go, and then the person at the mail place says, oh, we accidentally gave it to box so-and-so, right? They follow us home. They find out I don't where think we they'll, live. they'll ask the person that. I, they'll say, what happened to this package? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. What happened? Exactly. They'd say, like, uh, I had a package. It said yeah, it was delivered. Yeah, yeah. And then they've got, if we didn't tell the people, they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. We accidentally gave it to you. And who knows whether, if they if they made the mistake of, of giving it to us instead of the person it's supposed to go to, who's to say they wouldn't be wise enough to say like, oh, we can't tell you who it went to because of confidentiality. But, um, you know, if it's several hundred thousand dollars, I don't know. I, I don't, I wouldn't well, say it's whatever, hundreds okay. of thousands, but whatever it, was, it is, you still, they're still running the danger of somebody strong arming 
Right. The individual for your information. And if it's all supposed to be like a hush hush thing, and I maybe we're wrong. Maybe this is like someone's grandparent, like just sent them like their <laughs> they Christmas took a shower, money. put some baby powder on, and it fell on the money. We don't know, right? We don't know. I know this sounds like I'm making it up, but I'm not making this up. This is legit. This, no, you can't make this up. So we give it to them and we're like, uh, you gave us the wrong package. There's <laughs> like, just take it, please. And we left. And luckily nobody has um, broken our legs or anything yet. But man, can you imagine? Like, that's like the craziest thing that happened is just to think that like, one, we accidentally ended up with a drug lord's money and two, we're okay. We gave it back. Nobody knows the wiser. Like nobody's the wiser. Like, here's the thing. If you're listening and you're the drug dealer, we don't know who you are. We don't know who that box was supposed to go to. We saw it wasn't our name. We don't know your name. Leave us alone. That's all I'm saying. Have your money. It's I don't good. know if we even should have shared that story. <laughs> but that, it is it is, it is, is crazy because... I mean, things happen all the time with shipping, but that was one of the craziest. Th- no, that that's... What probably, about you? Did you have... What was like the crazy, oh, like... Maybe, I mean, I know you've had some crazy shipping stories, but like, what was like a 2019 like highlight of like, whoa, that was a crazy thing that happened this year. Whoa, you're asking me on the spot right on now? On the spot. <sighs> that, uh, I, I'm really at a loss for words. I wasn't ready for this. That's okay. I, you know, I've had, I, so my life isn't that, that crazy, but uh, I, I don't know, Mike. I, I, I'm struggling right now. That's okay. I mean, maybe if you think of something crazy, we can come back to it later. Okay. But, but I haven't I haven't had any... I've had, you know, all kinds of hustle of weeks, all kinds of deals, you know. I mean, uh, you had a hat that went to Guam that wasn't supposed to go to Guam. Well, okay, I'll share, I'll share. I'll reveal who I sold the cleats to. Ooh. No, can I? No, I can't. Oh. I can't because what if they find out? And then they're like, hey, I didn't appreciate you. You know, that's confidential information. I oh, see. I can't mm. do it. Then what you should do on a future episode is you should just say, I sold something to this person. And you don't have to say what it was you sold or what platform you sold it on. in the back <laughs> who that is and say, I'm I not s- going to say who, who I sold something to. I am not saying anything. No. Anyways. Yeah, no, I had, I so don't. You sold something to a famous person and it didn't work out, right? No, but it I'm eventually gonna... didn't work out. Oh, okay. It okay. didn't work out. So, no, I, I haven't had anything. Cra- I mean, I've had all the hustle of the weeks and I've had some, you know, nice Amazon sales and, but nothing that I'm like, whoa, like, I can't believe that happened. Not not as cool as your story. Yeah. It's cool. Exactly. Scary. And then, you know, there's always that little part of you and then like, man, nobody would have known thousands of dollars. Yeah. But that's how everything starts. <laughs> nobody would have known. We would have been the plot of and like then your some feet are missing and yeah. it's like, it's not a good scenario. So. Mm. I, I definitely, I'm glad you did the right thing. Me too. 100%. Okay. And speaking of hustle of the week. Wait, but before we get there, if you're not following us yet on social media, we are on Instagram and on Facebook and on TikTok. We are Pure Hustle Podcast. Whoop, whoop. And on Twitter, we are Pure Hustle Cast. If you want to get a hold of us, you can call us on the phone and leave us a message. 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. You can also email us at purestofpodcast at gmail.com. But I do want to be real for a moment. If you ever want to really get a hold of us, shoot us a DM on Instagram. I find that is the easiest for us to reply that's to. That's Orlando's love language. Well, it's, it's where I'm at. I mean, that's that that and TikTok. That's kind of where we're at. We're growing our, t- our TikTok following is going to get larger than our Instagram following probably by the end of this month. I would say probably. So we'll have more bots. Majority. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Legitimate, legitimate followers. TikTok's not there, but yeah. number of followers. And if you don't know what TikTok is yet, um, maybe that's a good thing. So, but no, no. But here's what I'm saying about TikTok. So 
people were making a joke about it a year ago. We even joked about it. We even thought it was cringe. I still think the content I make is cringe. Is it cringe? Okay, it is. All right. But here's the thing. Pretty much all these big time celebrities are jumping on there. Politicians are jumping on there. I really think this is for now. And I'm not trying to be a Gary V here, but I really think you got to be on TikTok. I, I really think it's it's getting there. Like it's it's just getting there. I just can't. And and, and it's kind of crazy because you got to be a lot more creative. So this is why things are cringy. Yep. That's the way it is. We talked about that. All right. And also wanted to say uh, thank you to all of you that wrote this review. Man, we got some. Can we read yeah. a review? Let's do it. I want to read one of our reviews. Oh, wait, I have an eBay offer. Review or offer? What I what I? Oh, it's a message. Okay, we're gonna go. To, uh, we're gonna go to the oh, reviews. Oh man. So. Just saying, so you guys know, Orlando is such a hard hustler that that even while we're recording the most important podcast of the year so far, <laughs> you goals twenty twenty. I gotta be working. All right, we are at two hundred and four reviews. Woo woo! I want to thank you guys. So let me read the latest one. Uh, we're just so humbled when we read these. We're like, what? Like this is amazing. So this is Miss Haley Ann. Thank you, Miss Haley Ann. Thank for you for the kind words. She wrote the gold standard of reselling podcast. I, I, Thank just, you. I just feel we need to level up even more now. Said, I've been listening to this show since about the third episode. I was not a reseller when I started listening, but I am now. And I was able to make a few thousand dollars extra this year that I otherwise wouldn't have. Mike and Orlando have helped me tremendously over the past year and a half or so. And I look forward to every episode and listen as soon as it drops. They are informative, entertaining, and so genuine. I highly suggest this podcast to anyone interested in reselling. P.S. I love the book review episodes and have read every book so far. Woo woo. Oh, thank you, Miss Alien. Thank I, you. That that makes 2020 start off like with, boom. Boom. With a bang. Oh, so thank you guys. Really, really appreciate that. And last of all, uh, thank you guys that have put in donations through the PayPal link. Definitely have helped us today. We were kind of we did some financial and a strategy what we want to look to 2020. And some of that has definitely helped us, you know, come up with new things and, you know, help with some things. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're listening to podcasts, I just pointed to behind us. So if you haven't been watching us on YouTube and you're listening to podcasts, you should, you should check out what new happenings are taking place in the studio. That's right. So hit that subscribe button and that bell notification. Bing. Thank you to all of you. All right. I think it's for that 2020 come special on, time. Hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. Straight up. Cool. I love I love, he- I love hearing that sound. It's good. Because it we're going to share good things. You know, when you're out and about and you're hustling, you're at, at a thrift store and you pick up an item, like that's the first thing that goes in your head when it's a good item. You're like, oh, it's the freaking hustle <laughs> of the week. All right, here we go. Okay. So our first one, Dan, uh, IG handle at grind find flips. Uh, great name. Picked up a pair of Nike shoes for $8 at the store that shall not be named. I almost feel like there should be a soundboard of like, Ooh, I'm just kidding. No. We, 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 <laughs> I we, don't know. We we, I don't know. We, 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 we secretly. It hasn't gotten better. The, Let's the put it that way. It should not be named. Um, we still make money there. So uh, took a while to sell. Had over 10 watchers, many low offers. Held on for that long tail though and sold the, the shoes. They were a pair of Nike Dunn. Dunk. Nike Dunk Low Pro Stussy Supreme B Shoes. When you have that many names on a shoe, you know it's going to sell good. And this thing sold gooder because it sold for $449.99 off an $8 purchase. 
That, my friend, is a hustle of the week. We should just play it. Just play it. That's what that is. Is it? It is. Come on, hustlers. Dan freaking crime fine flips. Yeah, that was a great one. So here's this is why it was so great. We talk about thrift stores and how they always miss stuff. Somebody missed that pair of shoes. Yeah. Justice. Is that justice? (laughs) That's justice. Justice. All right. So next one, Jordan, IG handle, the underscore, the, uh, sorry, the underscore teacher, underscore reseller, underscore guy. I like it. Fellow educator, teaches geography. Nice. So kind of, you know, close to my heart because I'm a history guy. Okay. You can't have history without geography and vice versa. So it's true. I was right about Guam in our last, last episode. Okay. Where I was good. located. Good. That was, a, that was a, hey, by the way, if you're wondering what I'm talking about. So a hat, Patagonia hat. I sold. I shipped it to Baltimore, Maryland. It went to Guam, and it went to Baltimore. Why did it take that long route? That was no the idea. fastest route, for sure. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's get back to Jordan, the underscore teacher, underscore reseller, underscore guy. Went to the Salvation Army and picked up an item without checking comps. Sometimes it's what you got to do, man. No, and I, and I the reason I brought that up is sometimes if it's cheap enough. And you think it's valuable? It doesn't hurt to take that risk. It looked unique. It didn't power on, but had plenty of power adapters. And his uh, his Instagram post about this is pretty funny because he talks about who you know, what guy doesn't have a whole drawer full of power adapters? Do you have your? Do you have a junk drawer? I do. Yeah. I mean, I have a mega. I have a junk cabinet. Sorry to admit that on the air, but I'm working on it. So, use one of them. Plugged it in. Paid $11. Now, this hasn't sold yet, but, you know, not every hustle of the week has to be something that's sold. We just, we like sharing the solds, but this is about, hey, being out and about, and we want to hear. So please keep us posted, Jordan. But paid $11 for a Trimble TDS Ranger Survey data collector. You know what that is? Nope. Nope. Neither do I, but it's worth money. Yep. Because he found comps in the $300 range. To be continued. Dot, dot, dot. I love those. So I wanted to share a story with that tied into that. Three years ago, I picked up a brother's label maker. And I looked up comps and on Amazon, it was $300 and I picked it up for $2. I'm like, no one's going to pay $300. And it was only one seller on there. So sometimes on Amazon, things are priced really high because there's only one of them and people think they'll get super top dollar. I'm like, whatever. I sent it in. sold for $300. Nice. So... This is what I'm saying. I, I love these kind of things. And that one, I, you know, I didn't do much research. I just, I just did a little bit of Amazon. I didn't think it'd sell for that much. So look forward to hearing where that lands. Yeah. Now our next hustle is a double hustle a week from our good friends, which we had to share because it's a lot of money to be made over a span of a few days. Yeah, it's great. So this one comes from Hugo and Tiffany uh, at sell quick, ship quick. You guys know them and love them. Uh, so it's a double. Uh, because they've got two great ones here. It's the first one, they picked up a neon beer sign at a thrift store for 15 bucks, but they had no power because it was a European plug, right? And this kind of comes to the idea of needing that junk drawer so you can yeah. test it out, right? So they found a converter at Marshall's for eight bucks, that took it home. Up. They were probably sourcing Marshall's and go, huh, hey, we need this. Here's yeah. a converter. So they find one for eight bucks, they pick it up, and sure enough, the sign works. Uh, they took pictures of it in the dark, which is such a great idea. If you got something like that, uh, something that you could light up, it's always a good idea to show that it's actually working. So they do that. They they turn off the lights. They take pictures of it in the dark. And if you find this post on Instagram, they have it on Instagram. It's a sweet sign. Yeah. So they sold it for 
in 16 hours for $304.94. They had free shipping on it, but the shipping was only $59. And you figure $15 for the sign. Plus, they now have the power converter uh, adapter. I don't know whether they sold it with the sign or if they're keeping it. But either way, not a lot of investment for a great return and a cool story. So great job. Here's what's funny. That sign. So when I went and crashed at their place to source for Q4, I was, it was, I kept almost bumping into it with my FBA boxes. So you luckily knocked it over. Luckily, no, is it like real neon? Like not just like a light up, but like actually had neon. Like, yeah. Wow. Like the filament. It, it's pretty legit. That's I cool. mean, it was, and I remember looking at Hugo and going, Hey man, you probably should move this. Cause it'd be the worst if I tipped this and broke it. And then you have no idea how much money you're going to make on it. So he moved it. Yeah, that would be, see, he, non -hustle the they, they made $304. Had you have broken it, I'm sure the comps are actually would have been able to make like 5,000 because <laughs> of the situation. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the kind of stuff that happens. I'm not understanding, but okay, I'll go. With well, because I feel like if you ever actually break something, it's not like the little thing you break. It's always like the worst oh, thing. I see. Okay, you know what okay, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So like, that would have been bad for you to have broken that. But can you imagine like knowing your luck, if you would have broken it, it probably would have gone for even more than it actually went for. So interesting. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> that's not actually factually correct, but I feel like that's my luck. Like if I'm going to break something, it's like if I break something at a store, I will break the $50 item right next to the 99 cent item. It's like, really? I couldn't have knocked that no, one. No, no, no. Those, that's the worst. Like I, what happened to me? Oh, the other day, there's stuff I didn't list for a long time. Again, this is why I say list sooner. So I'm like, I'm grabbing stuff to list. I'm like, huh, oh, this is broken. Yeah, wish I had listed this when I first got it. Instead of breaking it. I've broken quite a few things. Broke a cool uh, lamp that I had. That was a bummer. Speaking of breaking things, not too long ago, we were in a store and and breaking stuff at a store. We we grabbed <laughs> a bottle. We grabbed, we grabbed a bottle of um, syrup and it was a glass bottle of syrup. And we put it in the cart and it was in reach where my son could grab it. And he grabbed it and he lifted it and he dropped it. And so not only do we have glass, but syrup everywhere. You know how hard it is to clean up syrup on, like, we were like, they, yeah. they finally were like, look, you guys just go, we'll clean it up. We're like, we'll feel bad. Like, let, let us at least purchase it. They didn't let us pay for it, which I always feel bad about, you know, because like, I will, I'll pay for the, the this bottle. We broke it, but they wouldn't let us do it. But man, uh, it could be worse, I guess. No, I'll, I'll give you worse. So my son went through this phase where he thought it'd be really cool to push carts as far as he could in a parking lot. Oh no. So this happened a few times last Q4, we'd go sourcing them and I'm like, you know, I'm putting everything in the car and the car's there and he grabbed the cart, just full on launch. <laughs> and if, you know, I'm not a small guy. So I'm like, no, what are you doing? So I start, you know, sprinting towards the cart. Hit a few cars a few times. Ooh. Like, and again, it's probably not the cheapest car, right? Yeah. Well, luckily I looked and, Nothing was there. You did the just like walk away. Yeah, but it was kind of like, this is horrible. Like mm. this is terrible. Like, I think three times that happened, and it was the worst feeling in the world because you can't stop the like nope. one car. I couldn't get to in time. Where I grew up, um, and we're way off topic here, so I'll move on after this. <laughs> right. But where I grew up, uh, it was it's very very windy. I grew up in the high desert, and it's literally like wind all the time. Like when I first moved to San Diego, it was like when does it start getting windy? And people are like, what are you talking about? Cause I was just used to just always having like 30 mile an hour winds just always. Right. And so anyways, one of the things you could do for fun is just go sit in your car at a parking lot far enough away. Cause especially if it was like a mostly empty parking lot, cause without fail, 
cart would catch wind somewhere and just take off through the parking lot, just full speed. And you just be like, oh, is it going to hit a car? Is it going to hit a boom cart? Like it was so windy there. So, um, yeah, you just kind of, you, you carefully parked. You didn't want to park as far away. Like, you know, sometimes nice cars, they park far yeah, away. Yeah. You didn't want that. Cause you had no buffer. You wanted to park around other cars that could protect you. Huh. I never even thought about that. It's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. But anyway, so their second hustle of the week, uh, from so quick, ship quick. So they went to the store that should not be named just kidding um they saw a reseller pick up a box and put it down um that could be a great sign or it could be a bad sign right if it's like oh well that reseller isn't picking it up but anyways they decided to look through it hugo picks it up did some research and found comps going for 200 to a thousand bucks and it was a nervoscope which is something that is used by chiropractors that detects and measures the heat differences in the tissues along the spine uh, you really so, know your stuff yeah i'm i uh nervo um scopes are something i'm somewhat specialized in just kidding um <laughs> And anyways, uh, so they listed it for 680 bucks. They got an early low offer for 225. And I think, you know, if you pick something up, you know, you might be thinking, hey, great perch, like great comp. Like it's not what I want, but 225 bucks. They didn't take it and they no, let, ended let me, up. Let me, wait, let me give you a little more context. Let's hear it. So I was there when, when they had in, when they got the low offer. So this item, I wish I could pick up that baseball glove, but it's kind of the size of, a, it's not any bigger than a regular baseball glove. Right. So this is something easily like you would find in one of the knickknack areas mm, mm -hmm. that you would never look twice at. And even when he he's like, hey, check out this item I picked up. I was expecting like this massive, right. like, oh, just this thing, because they were able to ship it in a padded flat rate. Nice. All right, finish, finish the story. Yep. Up. So they they don't take the 225 offer uh, from another reseller and they ended up selling it for 450 bucks with free shipping. And it only cost seven dollars and 33 cents to ship. Way to go. That's a hustle. Two hustles. So you think about that. That's, you know, 225 plus 300. That's a lot of money yep. to me or three, four days. So definitely hustle of the week. Yeah. All right. So, hey, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Dan. Grand Fine Flips. Thank you, Jordan. The underscore teacher. The, uh, <laughs> the underscore teacher underscore reseller underscore guy. And Hugh and Tiffany. So quick, ship quick for sharing your hustles of the week. Yeah. yeah. What do you got? You should go first. I should go first? Yeah. I want to hear what you have. Um, I don't... I mean, I'm sure if I'd actually look through all, all my sold stuff, I've had some like high-priced item sell. Uh, but what kind of I would count as my hustle of the week isn't like a big necessarily item. But, it doesn't um, always have to be. Yeah. But um, so I've we've had a few episodes where I've talked about the Legos that I picked up. And, you know, my wife taking the initiative finally got all of those pictures taken and boxed. And the great thing with those, unlike a lot of things... Uh, we have like when they sell, we have to like find them, then we have to pack them. And then the nice thing with the Legos is we had already, we took the pictures of them, we put them in the box, we labeled the box, which number it was. By like the whatever. pound? Yep. Yep. By the pound. So we had it by the pound and then we had them just stacked. So we had like six or seven Lego boxes stacked, each one like 10 pounds, somewhere a little bit more, but by how many pounds they were, which item number it was with our custom SKU. And over the last few weeks, we've sold them all. So um, ended up making, you know, decent money off of them. Not as much as I was kind of hoping to make. But the nice thing was, other than the initial taking pictures and weighing, it was like, oh, one of those Lego boxes sold. So I just had to find like Lego box 3B. Boom. There it is. Print the sticker out. Ship it out. Nice. Yeah. So it's a hustle just because, you know, it it was a lot of work. They I probably sat on Legos in, in several totes for months and months and months. And then, yeah, finally got them listed and uh, got them sold. You know how many of my Lego bulk lots sold? Did you sell them all? Zero. Ooh. <laughs> so, I bet you I know why. 
Why? Because I was your competition and I outpriced you. You probably did. Because, right, I, I thought those would sell like that. Nope. They're still sitting there. Like, for, and I have this mega Bionicle lot that's for over $500. Still waiting for the right buyer. But, uh, yeah, maybe I'll be waiting until infinity and beyond. Yeah. Who knows? That's That should be uh, another t-shirt of ours. Waiting for the right buyer. <laughs> it's worth millions. Just waiting for the right buyer. Yeah. Well, no, that, that, maybe I need it. Maybe. Maybe I need to do that sell-through rate thing. Mm-hmm. All right. My hustle of the week. So I'm happy about my hustle of the week or multiple levels. So I actually, I think this was a hustle of the week when I, not when I told it the first time around, but it's something I shared probably, I think it was like episode three, the global shipping episode. I can't remember. So a couple of years ago, I was at the store and I shall, be, shall not be named. And this was a store that I had really good connections with. I was friends with everybody. And now all those people are gone. There's like maybe one of the individuals left there. And so they kind of, they understood what things I was looking for. So when I went, you know, I was waiting and there was a train set there and the train set, I think they had it like at a hundred dollars and I'm like, ah, I could still make money, but you know what? I don't, I don't want to put a hundred dollars into something I'm not hundred percent about. So I waited until it went eventually 50% off. And so it went 50% off and it actually was sitting outside and no one picked it up just sitting out there. Like at first it was on top of a shelf, like a glass case shelf. And then eventually they moved it outside. So it'll move quick and no one picked it up. So I picked it up and I went home and I'm like, Oh, I have to set this up here. Here's what you have to know about train sets. Now I love selling trains individual, like, you know, the cars and the caboose and the locomotive and so on. But this, you have, in order to make money on this, you have to put it all together. And here's the difficulty is that when you put it all together, all the tracks have to exactly align for the current to run through for the train. So if one one is off, the current's not going to run through, through and you can't shoot a video of it. So I spent about an hour and a half getting that thing together. So annoying. So got it together. Then you got to shoot the video and you hope everything works. So everything worked. Now, here's the thing with the tracks. There was no manual. And not all the pieces, they, some of the pieces have to be the exact same piece to match up with the other one. That's another reason of the pain. So I took a picture. I put it in my son's closet for a year and a half. Just sat there. Now I did list it and everything. I had so many watchers. I had so many lowball offers. Actually, I had somebody who I had found a similar train set on Instagram had DM me like, hey, I heard you talk about this in a previous podcast. I picked up the same you know, I'm going to list it for 300 to hope, you know, mine sells, blah, 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 you know? And I was like, I, I think it'll sell 300. is like super competitive. Well, after all this time, after sending all the offers the other day, somebody just bought it full price. It was on sale. I had it listed, I think for like 700 or something full price. They bought it out $614 and 99 cents. Nice. And I only paid $50 for it. And that's a hustle. And the shipping was in-state and it was only $28. Nice. <laughs> so, and you know, here's the other part that's also making it a hustle. You know how I had to pack it? All I had to do was bubble wrap it, Frankenstein a box around it, tape it, and it was good to go because everything's already insulated. Right. Right. Everything's already protected inside its, its original box. And so that was definitely a nice hustle of the week for me. So what a way. And that was just before Christmas when I saw that. 
Perfect. I love it. So, and that's why I love our hustles of the week. Oh, uh, yeah. Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. All right. Now we're moving on to um, our goals. The, one of the funner parts. Uh, and I guess we've been talking about throughout this whole thing of kind of what we're hoping to bring into 2020, but uh, kind of more specific goals for 2020. So uh, what do we got here? So one of my goals here is to either move into a bigger location. And I'm not talking about warehouse. You've heard me say before, I don't want a warehouse. And just because it's so expensive here. Right. I mean, there are some warehouses where you can kind of do a co-op, I guess, mm-hmm. where you pay for a certain space of the warehouse. But even then, it's money. Right? And then, you know, I, you know me. I'm very protective about my inventory. So I don't know if I'd be okay with it. Maybe that. a little bit uh, overly suspicious. Maybe. But when you've been, you know. He burned a few times. More than a few times. He, for good reason. And uh, so not doing that, I actually thought about uh, renting. Do uh, you know where that, uh, anyways, in town, there's there's a building that used to be like a library and it's no longer. And they actually were renting like office suites there at one time. Huh. And I thought about renting out an office suite. But then I was like, no, because then I'm going to feel like I'm going to work every day. Right. I, I keep rationalizing myself out of a bigger space. So. I've I kind of have to make a decision then this next year because my inventory is getting to a place where it's too much. So I have a storage unit full of my hard goods and some of other some other stuff. Then and within my home I have all the you know the stuff I really care about and you know I have three closets full of clothing mm. like just hanging there and and to be to be frank uh two of them are my kids closets. Hey, you gotta do what you which, gotta do. Which they're at an age, it doesn't matter. Like everything still fits in the dresser. Yeah. But you know, my 14 year old's kind of like, Dad, when are you gonna move yourself out of here? I'm like, son, this pays the bills. That's right. So, you know, I think that's a good idea. I think, you know, and, and I'm sure you're gonna keep talking about like what could come of that. But I, I'm a big, and I know there's like that, you don't wanna necessarily feel like you're going to work, but I'm a big believer that having a set separate space for different things helps you stay focused, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're, if the same place, like I used to have this problem where I would read and do work and do different things. Like when laying in bed, like, okay, my wife's going to bed. So I'm going to lay in bed and I'm going to do this other stuff. I might watch some TV. I might, I had to get rid of all of that. My bed had to be a place where I was sleeping because otherwise my brain wouldn't shut off and I wouldn't want to go to sleep or I'd get too tired and I just want to sleep instead of doing this other stuff. And same thing with like, you know, if, if the same place you do your work is the same place you do stuff that's more fun, you're going to have a hard time. Like your brain doesn't want to focus the same way. But if you can kind of compartmentalize and say, like, when I'm at this desk, this is the thing that happens here. Then it's a little easier to stay focused. It definitely can be. And I know like a lot of people are like, well, I want to just be free. I don't have any constraints. But even things like this, like I, I heard one person say, and then I've read studies and books where it's like, this is totally true. But I, I was standing in line somewhere and a lady was talking to another lady and she said, um, she was working from home and she goes, yeah, but I get up and I get dressed and I like fully, like I do makeup and I get ready before I start my day, even working at home. Because if I just stay in pajamas and stay comfortable, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the dream. And occasionally you want to do those things, but she's all, but I'm just not as productive. Like, but if I get ready as if I'm going to work, then I act differently. I treat my day differently because it's like, now I'm ready for work. Mm-hmm. And so I, I definitely think there's something to be said about that, to having a separate place where you go and you say, this is where... I do this work or this is how I'm going to be in this situation. And it kind of focuses your brain. You're not necessarily distracted. It's not like if if you do all your work at your couch, but you also watch your TV at your couch and you also eat food, you know what I mean? Then it it's easier to be distracted where if it's like the only thing here is the work that I'm doing, yeah, 
you can be a little more focused. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, there's a few things at play. I mean, here's the thing. If you have kids, when they get older, they become more expensive. Right. So I'm trying to, you know, do the math and going, okay. I, and here's the thing. It's not that I'm paycheck to paycheck. It's <laughs> I want to enjoy life and I want my kids to enjoy life. And I don't, if, if it was just about, the, you know, the money, I could definitely pick up. Another, I don't know if I could pick up another, but I could definitely get to a place where I could make more than I do reselling. If I really, really pursued it, if I, and, and it would be probably, I would think less work. Mm. Right. But I wouldn't have the freedom I have now. Right. right. So I'd, I have to be trading one for the other. The other thing is, you know, I, I'm hardly ever at home. You know what I mean? I, I do travel a lot, even if it's in state. And so there's a part of me is like, okay, if I put money into a larger home, is it going to be worth it if I'm not there much? If I put large money into a larger home and you might be right. Will it change the way I do things? I don't know. So I'm I'm trying to figure that out. You know, the amount of money I spend on my storage unit and, you know, and the, you know, I'm going to be doing better this next year because things were better for me in 2020. I just, I need to figure out if it's worth it to me or maybe where I'm at right now, I build greater storage space. I don't know. Yeah, I think so that's good. That, that's what I'm. That that's one of the goals I'm trying to figure out. So we'll get back to. I pro, I'll probably have a good answer in six months about where I'm at with that. Yeah, that's good. I um, mean, yeah, I think for us for 2020, I mean, we we kind I have of, a few other things. Yeah, but no, I'm sure. Um, we kind of went the opposite way. We went smaller. Um, but that is true. Instead of instead of um, necessarily getting a bigger place, because we have I think a decent place right now where we've got all of our our stuff sitting, all of our storage. Um, and we've talked a lot about going through and, and reorganizing inventory, but I think we're going to put a little bit more focus on optimizing our space and time. Um, so that way things are just quicker, right? Like we've talked about this. I think our interview with Sell Quick Ship Quick was a great one where it was, you know, if you spend a half hour figuring out how to save five minutes per shipment or one minute per shipment, it's only going to take you 30 shipments and yep. you've got that half hour back. And then everything after that is just, you know, time you're banking. And so really just trying to optimize our systems. And I think we're pretty good right now, but even just the amount of space that we have, right? Like how can we organize things so that we get an extra two shelves available so we can get more inventory in here, right? So um, kind of just optimizing the space that we have as opposed to upsizing. That's good. I, I agree with op optimization. I think I need to do the same too. That, and that's kind of what I was going to talk about in a little bit here is I'm looking to expand my team. Uh, and not necessarily on the eBay side, uh, I'm more on the Amazon side. Hmm. I just found that this, and I'll talk about this in a Q4 recap. I really do feel outside of the day that we made our awesome rap video, I spent every single moment possible doing what I doing my best. Hmm. Like I, I have no regrets. Now, is there certain days that I wish I got up a little earlier or maybe, you know, spend a little more time, maybe, but man, I got to tell you, I, I, I have no regrets about, but about the hustle that I put in, but I still don't feel like it was enough. Hmm. And I, I think what was holding me down was, you know, I didn't, and I spent, I had this prepping takes a lot of time, right? So if I could have people that are prepping inventory while I'm outsourcing, that definitely, you know, I could send in a lot more to Amazon. Right. Uh, I think I, I spent a lot of time just dealing with 
trying to get supplies or, you know, I could also have a team that sources for me. So, you know, the, the hardest thing is finding people you can trust, right? With eBay, it's, it's a little easier. It's still not, it's not easy, but right. you know, you're just looking for somebody to take pictures, do listings and so on. And that's a tough one, but it's different when it comes to Amazon, right? Right. People, you have to get people that really care about your business. And that's the hardest one because you're never going to find somebody that really cares as much as you do. Right. Actually, this last Q4, you know, I asked my helper and, you know, obviously she was super busy. And I said, hey, I want to sell things right now in Q4. So I need these things listed within 24 hours. And obviously, you know, it was a busy time for her and she couldn't do it. So I took it upon myself and I got it done. But with Amazon, the turnaround's even faster. Mm. Right. So for me, it's like, hey, if I'm going to offload all this stuff, I need this stuff prepped and ready to go in boxes or in boxes ready to be shipped out, you know, in less than a few hours. I got an idea for you. And and this is just, I'm just spit, a prep center. I'm just spitballing here. Yeah. Um, so this could be a totally terrible idea, but I know a lot of times um, when people, like you said, people aren't going to care as much as you care. Um, and if you're paying just like a base salary, even if you're like really taking care of somebody, you know, it's not that they're not gonna feel the same, but if they feel partial ownership in it and maybe your, your thing is, okay, I'm going to give you X percentage of my sales and make it small enough where it's not like they're, if you're hustling like crazy, they're getting, you know, a big portion of what they're not doing, but it's like, okay, the more packages that get sent in and the faster they get sent in, the larger your chunk is of, of like mm -hmm. a commission. Right. So it's like if for everything that sells, you're going to get X percentage of the things that you're sending in. So then the, the ownership is there. They do care because now they've got some skin in the game and it's not just like, well, you know, I only have this much time today and I've only, you know, well, I'll put in my three hours and I'll get half as much done in three hours as I could get done. But if it's like, hey, I'm making a percentage of each of these sales. Yeah, the I'll only get, reason get these boxes out of here. I hear you. The only reason I won't do that because that's you're kind of getting into a partnership and then you can get yourself into a legal scenario. Yeah, but where I the mean, person's like, hey, they didn't pay me what they should have paid me. Blah blah. If I just pay a base, right? It's but if just, you did base and commission, like commission off of each item. Well, that's what I mean. That that's I don't know. I I I appreciate the idea. Maybe I need to look into it. You know, but it's good. You know, maybe it's a good idea. I just, for me, it's, and and this is the way I've always done it. I like it when it's just hey, there's this flat fee. Yes, some people do it per item. Uh, I will say I pay competitively in comparison. I pay more than minimum wage, uh, and so you know that's why my helper is willing to do stuff. But the turnaround time. So I, I get what you're saying, like provide that extra motivation and who, who knows. Now, here's the other though, catch is my other son did, my son, my oldest approached me the other day and said, hey, I want to learn about reselling. Yeah. So, you know, maybe this is another avenue where- the Reselling blood is strong in this family. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. I felt like that was some Skywalker talk there, but okay. All right. What's your other goal? Um. Okay. So another thing I'm kind of looking for in 2020, um, and- it's one of those things like I know I sound like a broken record, like, but a lot of this again is, is just re refining and retuning and, and making things better and better. Um, but we started reselling a year and a half ago, more than a year and a half ago now. I feel like maybe a year and a half, I don't know, something like that as a hobby. And then it became more like a business. We opened up a business bank account. We've been starting to, to keep track of mileage and taxes and those kinds of things. But even still, when it's like very, very part time business, you're really only so into and focused on your numbers mm -hmm. and, and and keeping track of yes. every single mile. And if it's like, oh, I forgot, I, I spent it on this card. This, 
So really just making 2020 the year where this is legitimate business, where absolutely everything, we're going to organize our our receipts better. We're going to have digital backups of stuff. We're going to have all of our numbers, all of our invoices. Everything is going to be organized in a way that a uh, Fortune 500 company would be proud to, to see and say, that is some solid accounting there. Like, you know, just looking at it as it went from hobby to business hobby to this is now making a living, right? And that shift uh, is is a big one. And again, yeah, it would have been great if we would have started off at the hobby level doing all of these things, but a lot of it just wasn't practical, right? And now it's it's not just that it's practical that we do it, but it's necessary. And so we're going to be fine on taxes this year. We've got everything enough, but do I think we optimize every possible deduction? Uh, did we optimize every possible, you know, benefit that we could squeeze out of it and cover ourselves in the areas we needed to, maybe not as much as we could have. And so we want to look into 2020 as being a year where those things are just done better and that we can go into taxes, not just like we're covered, we're fine, we're not in trouble, like we're going to be okay, but we are set, we're golden in any way we can cut, you know, some expenses, we're going to cut any way that we can, you know, get those deductions, get those miles, whatever it is, uh, and we're going to have the documented proof to prove it. And we'll feel really great going into the 2021 year. Nice. I think that's every reseller's dream. Well, I mean, it's it's good. I mean, that's a great goal. I just say that because I'm, yeah, I'm working on that right now. <laughs> it's a lot of work because I got to a place where like, I'm going to do this during this time. And then I'm like, no, nope, I'm going to go source. So I get that. All right. So my other one, <clears throat> and this is kind of an experiment, but I did a lot of buy it now with no best offer this Q4. Not a lot, but more than usual. And I loved it. Not having to haggle with people? Not having to haggle, not having to, you know, wait for people to pay because the offer was accepted. And, you know, until eBay, I'm hoping soon, you know, gets global shipping on their managed payments and hoping that they come through, like they said, where they're going to, you know, manage payments is going to make it as somebody accepts an offer automatically, it deducts the money and mm. puts it in your PayPal or wherever it's going to go, it, the, the, new, the new system. So I'm going to do more buy it now without best offer. I'm not going to put my whole store on there yet. I may put a quarter of my store there, but my goal is to get to a place where, you know, because I have a, I also, I, I didn't talk about this. I wish I did. I have a lot, a lot of repeat buyers now. Not like a ton, but I have certain buyers that know to go to me for certain things. And so I want to make it now where it's like, hey, this is what the price is, Mm. you know, pay for it. And so I'm going to do that more. I I love haggling still, but right now I have such a terrible taste of best offer. Mm. I am so, so done with it. And I'm I'm so, I'm to the point that I'm kind of bothered that this hasn't been resolved yet. So... So I'm gonna go to more buy now. I like it. I still love you, eBay. Just, just take care of this. Yeah. 2020 vision. Yeah. (laughs) Make this your goal. That'd be perfect vision right there. There you go. But, uh, but I'm excited. It's gonna be a great year. Uh, there, there's, you know, we've learned so much since the beginning of the podcast. We learned so much. I mean, think about it. That we've done the podcast more more than a year, but this is our second annual, you know, New Year podcast. And I can't, I look forward to where we're going to be six months. I think in six months, we should do a reflection about visiting these yeah. things we talked about. Keep yeah. ourselves accountable. Yeah. Have, have we been able to live each day of 2020 better? 
There you go. Better. Yeah. And one thing I'm also kind of looking forward to, kind of like the last thing is just traveling more. And I think reselling nice. is opening up that door. My wife being home is opening up the door. We've already have plans. We're going to Colorado. You already made that trip. Yeah, right? we got, yeah, we got that. And then, um, you know, so for 2020, we're looking at maybe going to Africa, maybe going to the Philippines, um, maybe going back to India or Nepal and just doing a little bit more traveling, taking a week here, week there. I get the time, you know, as a, as a, as a teacher. So when I'm on breaks and saying, Hey, let's hustle hard enough. Let's have enough of our store, you know, covered that we can get everything shipped out. We can take that week or two off. We can go travel the world, go experience things, take my son places that are just amazing. And then come back, take the store, change the handling time and just keep it rolling. Right. And I know you're going to lose some money that way. And again, that's, we're not looking at being, you know, multimillionaires that are, that are running this huge warehouse, but reselling is opening up the door for us to say, let's go travel the world. No, I agree. I'm I'm going back to what I was doing where I'm going to be traveling once a month. I like it. You know, every third or fourth week. And I like traveling within the States just mm. because I feel like I haven't traveled enough within the States. And, and maybe I'll take a couple international trips. I don't know. We'll yep. see what happens. But hey, 2020 is a year to make it better. Yeah, better. So with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace. Peace.